Let's have all the iChurch kids that will be back. Come on up right up here and sit on the floor. Our regular iChurch, and we are so, so excited about it. it we're going to take it to another level. Your kids will come home after iChurch just talking about church. I'm telling you, we're going to take it to another level. I'm so excited. Are you guys excited about it? So not next Sunday, but the Sunday afterwards, we start iChurch. All right, so I want you to start telling your friends about it. Get your parents excited about it because it is going to be awesome. It's going to be something that you've never seen before. All right. Before I start sharing from a couple books, a couple cool books that I have here, I wanted to just uh, take a minute and just kind of make a couple more announcements to the young people and just to the parents. Some of the things that we're doing. This sheet, the youth sheet, is very important. If you can take a look at it. Uh, one big thing, a uh, couple big things. Tonight, uh, if you're part of our youth school, please make sure you come. Uh, I'm inviting a real, uh, how many of you have uh, maybe never seen a real Russian babushka? I'm inviting a real Russian babushka who's experienced a lot of persecution, who for a long time had no Bible. I mean, I come from an area in the former Soviet Union where a whole church sometimes would have one Bible for a whole church. And so she lived through that time and praying, seeking God, and begging God for a Bible, and the miracle came it happened that she received a Bible. And if she had a Bible during those times, it was the same thing as you have a BMW. So uh, she's going to be sharing a testimony, and Pastor Harold wanted the adults to be part of that, so tonight she'll be here. Young people, another big thing is next Sunday night is our big, big event. Bring all your friends. It is going to be awesome. I'm excited to have Dylan here playing at the drums. Dylan, we're excited to have you here. I'm excited about Corey leading worship. It's awesome. And listen, Sunday night we're going to have a youth band. They're going to be leading worship. We're going to have some free pizza. We're going to have a great message. We're going to have a grand, grand time. Please make sure you come here. Another big announcement is iChurch. We got some free tickets to the circus. And we want to we take you guys together to the circus. So on the 29th of February, which is a Friday night, we're meeting here at 5 p.m. If you can bring your kids here for them to go with us to the circus, please sign up today. My wife will have a sign-up sheet today. Please sign up. We are, space is limited. And, and, and so if you want your kids to go, just sign them up. Bring them 5 o'clock on the 29th here to church. And we're going to have fun at the circus. And uh, another big announcement is we're having a youth trip to Dallas. All young people that are part of this church, we invite you to come with us to Dallas. And Morgan, she is signing people up. So if you're, if you're interested to go to Dallas with us, uh, please sign up with Morgan as soon as possible. All right. Pastor Harold today is, is sharing a message about, about finding God in the midst of hard times. Finding God in the midst of depression. You know, sometimes it seems like, where is God? Remember when September 11th happened or, or uh, Hurricane Katrina or other things happened? You know, when those things happen, we sometimes ask, you know, where is God in the midst of all this? Well, today I wanted to, to share a little example, a couple examples with you. First of all, we're going to have two champions today, okay? The first, and, and what we're going to do is I'm going to have two pictures and I'm going to ask you to find something in this picture. And the first person to, to find it is going to be a champion. All right? So take a look. Maybe come a little bit closer. Come a little bit closer. What I'm going to need you to find, as soon as I say it, the first person to find and point it out is, is going to be the first champion. Okay? So make sure, you know, step a little bit further so everybody can see. 
All right. And it, as soon as you see it, make sure you raise your hand. All right. So the first person to find a B. Where is it? Where is it? Ooh. All right. All right. That was an easy one. That was an easy one. All right. What about this one? All right. I need you to find Waldo. Find Waldo. Okay. Waldo looks like this. He looks like this. Okay. He has a face that looks like that. In the midst of all this, I'm going to hold it up this way, okay? And I'm going to put the microphone down. The first person to find Waldo is going to be the second champion. So all you have to do is find a face that looks like that, okay? okay. Hey, no, 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 sit down. <laughs> find Waldo. All right, all right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to help you out today. See, Pastor Harold is going to be preaching today. Let's pause for a second. He's going to be preaching today in a message that says, you know what? Sometimes it seems like, where is God? We can't find him. But today, Pastor Harold is going to help you. He's going to say, listen, in times of trouble, this is where God is. So I'm going to help you out. You know what? If you want to find Waldo, he's on this page. All right? Uh, no, 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 no. Hey, I got to give the people in the back a chance a little. Come on. Everybody needs to have a chance. Where is it? Let me see. No, that's not Waldo. <laughs> that's not Waldo. Come on. All right. Do, do you just, do you guys give up? No. <laughs> All right. Well, guess what? We're going to do that a little bit more, but Pastor Harold is going to be preaching. So let me show you where Waldo is. Hey, look, everybody look over here. I need to remember where he was. All right. He's somewhere in this area, somewhere in this area, I believe. Look for, look for him right here somewhere. Look for somewhere in this area right here. Sweetheart, I might need your help. <laughs> somewhere here. Look for him somewhere right here. Yeah. <laughs> look, right there. Do you guys see him? Right there, there's Waldo. Okay, so listen, listen to, yeah, I have a couple more pages. So after church, if you guys want to, go ahead. But listen, why was it so hard to find Waldo? Because there's a thousand things over here and you can't really see, huh? Listen, same thing. Sometimes, you know, we got, when there's a problem or when there's problems in our life, we think there's so many problems that there's no God. 
There's so many problems everywhere, you know, friends, school, and our job, and, and at home. There's so many different problems, and it seems like, where is God? But you know what? The Bible says that if we seek God, hey, listen, the Bible says if we seek God, we will find Him. And when it seems like it's so hard and there's no God, listen, God is still there. When it seems like there's so many different problems, God is still with you. Okay? This picture, when it was drawn, guess who was drawn first? Waldo, and then everything else. Listen, when, 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 when your life was created, guess, guess who did, created your life? God created your life. So He's there. God is there. You might, it might seem like there's so much stuff going on in your life that where is God? There's so much problems. Where is God? God is still in your life. No matter what kind of crisis or hard time you're going to go through in your life, always remember that God is still there. And if you look deep enough, if you look close enough, you will find God. Amen? Pastor Harold, we're ready for you to point some directions in our life. Where are we going to find God right. in times of crisis? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Charlie, we are... Uh, Thank you for letting us be a blessing in your life. Uh, you took up an offering of $386.97. We're proud of you. So, and uh, we appreciate you folks and your generosity. And uh, God always gives a little extra. So there you go, brother. God bless you. You're welcome. No, no problem. We're just glad we had the opportunity today to minister in your life. All right. So we don't get the electricity turned off. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, hold them up. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, would you speak to me? In Jesus' name, amen. Give a high five, pound your neighbor next to you, and make sure they're loved in the Lord. When you review the great names and personalities in Scripture, you become aware very quickly that almost all of them knew at one time or another great discouragement or deep depression. Job is usually the one that we all run to quickly. And in Job chapter 7, verses 6 and 7, he says, My days come to an end without hope. My eye will never again see anything good. Been there? Moses, he's described as the meekest man on earth in Numbers 12 and verse 3. He rises as uh, one of the greatest examples of an ordinary man submitting to God, becoming one of the greatest of all time, especially in the Old Testament uh, characters. He's faced with difficult tasks, one of being the leader and general answer man for over a million Israelites as well as the administrator of God's law among the people, a role to which he was assigned by God, but one that was made more complicated by the tendency of the Israelites to gripe, to doubt God, and even to attack Moses himself. There came a time when Moses in Deuteronomy 1.12 says, How can I bear the troubles, burdens, and disputes of these people by myself? 
Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of the old, asked for his life to be taken. David, in his efforts to hide sin, made journal entries that speak of the total loss of strength, the ebbing away of all that is worthwhile in life, and and the groaning all day long, beginning in Psalm 32 and verse 2. Jonah, the first foreign missionary, became deeply despondent when God did not destroy Nineveh. Jeremiah was so profoundly sad that he's known to this very day as the weeping prophet and confessed that he wished he'd never been born. Then there's Nehemiah and Ezekiel and Peter and more and more throughout the pages of Scripture. The company of the depressed is a very noble company and whether we, we want to admit it or not, all of us have been numbered among them. One writer calls depression the common cold of emotional disorders. All our lips have spoken the words of discouragement and depression. All of our hearts have felt it. Every one of us has known at one time or another the slap of setback, the grief of loss, the disheartening effects of stress. To be human is to feel that numbing, exhausting, demotivating fog of depression. And then there's a kind of depression that's even more complicated because it triggers, its triggers lie from within and they form chemical imbalances. And it means that we can't escape the black hole without some medical attention. Some here in this church know that private battle of a weary sadness that can take many forms and show itself in many ways. But what adds to that burden is the common misguided notion that good Christians don't get depressed. Any hint of depression around the church, the cliches start, or you just need to have more faith. Remember, rejoice in the Lord always. Or sometimes you come up with that pep talk. Come on, get up and get moving. Get back in the the flow of things. Stop the pity party. Pull yourself together. What will people think of God if they see you act like this? But of course, that simply pushes a depressed person deeper into a hole and teaches that discouraged and teaches them to be more discouraged and that unless they want to hear the cheap cliches again, they had better fake being happy. And this morning, I'm not going to do that. Psalm 77 is an intensely helpful passage of scripture and when you're in the pit it especially is helpful and I want to give you uh, some steps a few steps to help us pattern uh, that we can follow to regain emotional balance when life gets us down step number one send an SOS to God pick up at verse one with me I cry aloud to God aloud to God and he will hear me in my day of trouble I sought the Lord my hands were lifted up all night long I refuse to be comforted. I think of God. I groan. I meditate. My spirit becomes weak. Right here we see Asaph, and we've heard about Asaph, right, a couple of weeks ago, the the worship leader for David. Asaph right here, right here begins to show us hopelessness. He draws up pictures with his words that depict depression. Look at, the, look at the trouble word troubles in verse 2. He describes a feeling of being confined, of walls closing in. Asaph felt like he was in a dark tunnel and there was no light at the end. 
When he says his soul refuses to be comforted, he means he tried to shake it off by the normal means that we all resort to, but it wasn't working. And then he closes verse 3 by saying that when he meditates, when he ponders the situation, trying to think his way through the problem, his spirit becomes weak. His emotions sabotage reason. The escape of sleep eludes him. He stretched out his hand like a drowning man longing to be saved. Perhaps you identify with Asaph's feelings. But don't miss his first response. In his battle with depression, he does with depression, he doesn't pretend. He doesn't bury his disillusionment. He doesn't take and, 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 and fake happiness. There's no indication that he turned to food or shopping, alcohol or gambling, pornography, or any number of other means people commonly use to cope. Instead, he got honest with God. Really, really honest. I cry out aloud to God. Aloud to God. He yelled his prayer. You ever yelled at God? It's okay. You can do that. It's truly okay. If you're upset and you are down and you are beaten and you are, are just depressed and you are, are downtrodden, scream it at him. Scream it at him. In verse 3, he describes that further. He says, I think of God, I groan, and the word groan can mean right here everything from a quiet noise to a raging explosion. But now jump down to verse 7. Asaph fills in some of the content of his prayer. He says, will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Asaph cycled through a wide and uncontrollable range of emotions. Have you done that? Haven't you been there? But he didn't try to hide anything from God, and especially how he was feeling. And that's crucial for you to remember. God is not put off by that kind of raw emotion. It's okay. I will never forget the counsel I received when my father died, and I was embodying hatred toward him in all of my conversation. And someone counseled me to go to his grave and to tell him how I felt. Well, on the, on the initial outset of that idea, I thought, how ludicrous is that? Somebody's going to drive by and see me standing in the cemetery yelling at a grave. But you know what? It was the best thing I ever did. Because for the first time, he couldn't cuss me back. For the first time, he had to hear what I said. And brother, I let him have it. See, sometimes it's okay. It's all right. God can handle it. Psalm 34, 18, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Step number two, choose to redirect your thoughts. During one of those many sleepless nights, Asaph concludes that God was keeping him awake for a reason. Look at verse 4. You have kept me from closing my eyes. So he laid there in silence. Unable to speak, his mind drifted back to sweeter times. Look at verse 5. I consider the days of old, years long past. At night I remember my music. I meditate in my heart and my spirit ponders. I tell the worship team all the time, let's do music and songs 
to have singability. So when you leave here, you're still tapping your toe, bopping your head, and humming that tune. You got all, you got them. We've all got them. You radio that song, come on the radio, and all of a sudden you're the best American Idol singer that's come down the pike in a long time. And thank God for most of us, the windows up. <laughs> Amen. But boy, we can sing because those songs really get to us, don't they? Amen. I listened to Randy Travis the other night. He was singing forever and ever. Amen. And I thought, my goodness, how could Cindy stay with me this long? If you're wondering how long I'll be faithful, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And God loves us that much. But you begin to float back into some of those things. Look at verse 10. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I'm going to make force my thoughts out of this dungeon back to the years when I saw God doing great things. Verse 11, I will remember the Lord's work. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. I am so looking forward to this lady's testimony tonight. What a blessing that's going to be for all those that are coming here. Some of you will be too busy, and I know you won't get back. But boy, those that come are going to be blessed. Why? Because she's going to tell you what it really means to be on fire for God. When you are persecuted, when you, when you don't have a Bible, <laughs> I mean, you've got eight of them at home that you don't read enough to know that you got them. Hey, am I hitting home yet? Man, I'm so proud of you, though. Remember last summer? We were challenged to, to, to buy some Bibles for Emmanuel, our evangelist in India. He needed, what was it, 400 Bibles? Or, or, is that right, 400 Bibles? 200 Bibles? And it was going to cost us how much? $800? And you gave $900 in two weeks. What? What? But now he can pass the Bibles out to the people he's went into Christ. They had one Bible among 300. This is 2007. We're not talking the Depression. We're not talking the 1800s. We're talking 2007. They didn't even have a Bible that they could work from and study and disciple and grow. And what do we do with this thing? Right there. Somebody said, Preach, you need a new Bible. I can't get a new Bible. The pages are still stuck together. Now, they're falling apart. The whole thing's falling apart. There's times when i got to be careful. But if you take this away from me, I'll go get another one. The one I wore that I had in college, I wore it out. I'm wearing this one out. It's just about gone. Praise God. Oh, mercy. It's about gone, too. I think the next one's got to be large print, though. <laughs> because I remember <laughs> when I could actually see. What an important step, though, that Asaph shows us in these verses. Verse 11, verse 10. When our feet are locked down by depression, we need to regain perspective. And you know it's true. When troubles crowd in and just getting up in the morning seems like a chore, where does your mind lean? It leans toward the bad. It doesn't lean toward the good. It's easy to conclude that the future is probably going to be the same way it is today because that's worthless. Like the guy that had Limburger cheese spread under his nose, and he got him and said, this, this room stinks. He walked into the kitchen, this room stunk. He walked into the bathroom, it stunk. Everywhere he went, it stunk. 
because he needed to remove the obstacle from his life. So you got to think about the good things. Chick, Chip Ingram wrote a book entitled, I Am Always With You. And he talks about the napkin experience. Listen to this. Whenever you feel yourself starting to go downhill, put a ballpoint uh, pen in your pocket, go to a restaurant, get a soda, pull out a napkin, and begin to list all the sp specific blessings that happened that day, that week, that month, that year. These are the facts, not feelings. <laughs> Write down what God has done for you. List the top ten answers to prayer in your life. List five people who love you. Write down the best things that you have that are happening in your life right now. I love Lindsay's testimony. We've gone a little long today on other things besides the message, but you know what? It's okay because God has this thing under control, not you and me. But I'm so glad, glad that we're doing this ministry of the blankets. In fact, I saw Lindsay hand Charlie one to take home to his family. Put it around that son. Put it around his wife. Hallelujah. We don't know what God's going to do. We have no idea. We don't even know who's going to get all these blankets. But you know what? That doesn't matter because we're going to pray them up and give them out anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because God's called us here to love people. Amen? We've got to love them and we've got to care about them. Choose to redirect your thoughts in order to, st to, to stoke your hope for the future. Step number three, magnify God to diminish your problems. There are deeply helpful benefits contained in the gathering of God's people. Worship recalibrates the soul. I'm telling you, you can't sing the songs that we sing every week and not have God's spirit touch your life. You just can't. Well, I shouldn't say that. I guess you could, but you shouldn't. You should come with a spirit. What did Russell challenge us last week? Come with a spirit of expectancy. Come expecting a blessing. Come expecting a message from God. Come expecting a touch from God. Catherine Green McCrite in her book, Darkness is My Only Companion, describes her tortured journey through 10 years of extreme depression and bipolar disorder and how gathering with God's church helped her. Listen to this from her book. It is so important to worship in community, to ask your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you. Sometimes you literally cannot make it on your own. You need to borrow from the faith of those around you. Companionship in the Lord Jesus is powerful. Woo! <laughs> It is, isn't it? It is. Because when you can't go, God can. And God will utilize his people to make that happen. Asaph then concentrates on the benefits that come from God himself. Begin at verse 13. First, he proclaims God's holiness. He says, God, your, your way is holy. That is, it's unique, one of a kind, set apart from the ways of men. What God is great, greater and what God is great like God, like our God. Then jump down to verse 16. He throws down the gauntlet against the false Canaanite gods of the sea and thunder and the storm. He says, the waters saw you, God. The waters saw you. They trembled. Even the depths shook. The clouds poured down water. The storm clouds thundered. Your arrow flashed back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Lightning lit up the world. The earth shook and quaked. Doesn't sound doesn't sound like the downcast Asaph that we started with this morning, does it? You see, worship moved him from self 
imploding funk to a God-absorbed declaration of faith. Look at verse 14. Asaph praises the miracle-working power of God. He says in verse 14, You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples. He then goes on to cite the example of God's deliverance of Israel from the Egyptian army. Jump down to verse 19. It says, Your way went through the sea, your path through the great waters, but your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the sea parting and you being the first group that had to go across? Can you imagine? See, it's okay to be in the middle and it's okay to be in the end because somebody's gone on in front of you. But what if you're the lead dog? You're the first family. The, part, the water's parted and Moses says, go on across. Oh yeah, you're going to jump right out and run, aren't you? Don't you know they stepped out? Don't you know they stepped out looking at those walls of water on each side? Okay. I've seen some cartoon versions of that, and it shows a big whale swimming up to the edge and then turning back and going. Can you imagine walking along and all of a sudden Moby Dick slides up and, whoa! <laughs> Snapping at you. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine being the last family that comes through saying, hurry, hurry, hurry. Come on, man. Come on. You're still watching the water. But boy, the Bible says that the last person got on the other side, and what happened? Here comes Pharaoh's army, and the water implodes on them. Can you imagine? Mm. Mm. But he says, you, your way went through that sea. You see, God is holy. God is able. He has no trouble altering the natural order of things, if necessary, to deliver us. The worship team comes to help me close. Finally, Asaph looks on God's redemption of his people in verse 15. He says, With power you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. God, from this verse, you can see that God cares for me and cares for you. He knows what's happening in me and to me. He has the supernatural ability to do all that's necessary to fulfill his promises. And he loves me enough to come after me. Pray with me. Father, as we began with Asaph this morning, he had a huge problem and a little God. But he kept sending these SOSs to you. He forced himself to rehearse the past blessings of your faithfulness, where hope for the future was strengthened in him. He began to worship. And for Asaph, God became big and his problems became small. And so, Father, now my challenge to the folks here this morning is it's their turn. It's their turn to stand. It's their turn to come to you. And Father, if there's somebody in this room that needs a special touch from you, if there's somebody in this room that needs to cry out to you, oh, Father, would you give them the courage to do it? Father, could they come to the foot of the cross and just kneel there? There will be a prayer warrior come up and get an arm around them and love them and hug them and help them. If they just want to get on their knees and by these chairs in the front, Father, whatever it is that they need to call out to you about, would you respond in their life? Give them courage. Give them courage and then give us love to respond. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Let's stand and sing this song of invitation.